Free tacos. Free tacos. Beer. Check, check, one, two, okay, all right. All right, go ahead and start. We're, we're, all right. we're doing good. All right, welcome back to another week of Free Tacos Podcast Action Trivia Mania, whatever we're calling this thing. Um, I am David, the brewery buddy here, bringing some trivia questions for you. Joe with the show just got up to grab himself a beer. Um, off to, just off screen here. We've got DJ Pizza and Holy Sister Lisa. We've got a couple of guest stars today. Uh, who do we have over here? Hi, I'm Rodrigo, all the way from Mexico City. We have Rodrigo from Mexico City, and there's actually a Mexico City question. I didn't know they were coming, so I hope they get this one. All right, and who do we have way off camera? Mariana. Mariana. All right. Shy Mariana. Way off camera, who is scared of cats. <laughs> um, and microphones, apparently. And yeah. microphones. Uh, so... So here's the deal. I'm going to go ahead and read a probably super long question and ask a single question at the end of a huge long statement. And then um, you guys can go ahead and talk about it, try to figure out what you think your answers are, say them out loud. And then at the end, I will go ahead and uh, I'll give you like 30, 45 seconds to go through it all. Um, We'll have somebody watching Instagram Live to make sure that we get any answers from the Instagram world, and then um, once we read all those, we'll go ahead and hear what the answer is, because uh, most of these are probably going to be super difficult, mm-hmm. um, and I was half asleep when I wrote most of them today, so oh, perfect. Um, I hope they make sense, and I hope I can read them, because we're in the dark, so you guys can see the pictures behind us, mm-hmm. which usually have very little to do with what the question actually has to do with, but they are fun <laughs> nonetheless. So tonight's categories, mm-hmm. we've got uh, five categories, three questions in each, 15 questions altogether. First one, as always, crazy history, followed by famous relatives, movie mysteries, where in the world, and ending, as always, with a little Disney discourse. So, I hope everybody's ready to get started with that crazy history. This is this is Joe's girlfriend, by the way. Yeah. I got this, uh, <laughs> I was stalking her and went to her house, and I got this picture of her as a child. That's great. <laughs> she, she loves big chickens. That's what her history said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, let's right. get things rolling with a real shit show. Also, don't watch this with your kids. We're rated PG-75. Uh. Uh, so we're, we're going to get things rolling with a real shit show here in the 1904 Olympics. They were a bit chaotic due to... Uh, the fact that they were lining up with the World's Fair because this was also America's first time hosting the Olympics. The marathon, however, was the real disaster. The course was winding and full of huge hills and only two places for runners to stop and get water. This was done on purpose by James Sullivan, the chief organizer of the Games, to test the limits and efforts of purposeful uh, dehydration. William Garcia inhaled too much dust kicked up by the vehicles that were carrying the coaches and the doctors and uh, ended up tearing his esophagus and his stomach lining and collapsed on the side of the road. 
The first person to cross the finish line was actually Fred Lors, who suffered from cramps around mile 9, so he hopped into a car for about 11 miles of the race uh, before finishing. Uh, don't worry, though, he was called out and booed away by the crowd before receiving the medal. The eventual winner is Thomas Hicks. He was actually carried over the finish line by his support team for the win. Uh, all he wanted to do was get a drink of water while he was running, but the support crews that he was running with instead gave him a concoction of egg whites mixed with what substance? Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Egg whites and mayonnaise. There, no water, just breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You get a very unsatisfying omelet. That's a disgusting thing. <laughs> Purposeful dehydration. That I, Could it have been like salt? Something like ooh, crackers? salt, crackers, <laughs> egg whites, crackers, salt, mayonnaise. I, because because this was something to drink, right? Uh, it was something he ingested. So, yeah, I'm gonna post, I'm gonna post I'm, over here just a little more. I'm oh, not entirely sure okay. if they were cooked egg whites and they just like had them in a, like a like a fanny pack and they were running, or if they, they were just like cracking eggs open and like chucking the yolks on the ground and being like, "Here, eat this." I don't. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, the 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 history internets were not very specific. <clears throat> huh. All right, because maybe have... they were doing like something evil ish. Uh, it... Like they weren't aware that they were being dehydrated. Because so, if you had the whites, it kind of looks like water, and then you would go all in trying to swallow it. He actually did it multiple times. Hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> multiple times. It, mm, it's, so it was on purpose. Yes, it was very much on purpose, and he, he knew what he was doing. <clears throat> it's just the concoction is unusual. Do we have any guesses from the Instagram mm. live world? We have whiskey. Hey, Matt. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Oh, whiskey sounds like a good guess, I guess. Mm. Any other Insta guesses? Let's see. Any more Insta guesses? What was mixed with the egg whites to give to folk poor Mr. Hicks? Thomas Hicks. While running? Hmm. I still think crackers. You still <laughs> think crackers. All right, if we have nothing else from the internet, here we go. So the concoction was a mixture of egg whites and strychnine, which is the poison part of rat poison. Uh, um, interesting. It is the first known case of performance-enhancing drugs, as it was uh, supposed to help in small doses. Uh, to continue explaining how much of a mess this marathon was, only the few runners that were participating were actual marathon runners. The rest were short-distance runners, and the whole Greek team had never actually run before at all. Um, That's ironic. Yes, right. <laughs> the fourth uh, place winner was Felix Andorin Kirbala uh, from Cuba, who actually made it to America and then gambled all his money away and actually had to hitchhike to get to St. Louis to be able to participate in the games. And he was, and he had lost everything while gambling, so he was actually going to run. Um, in a loose long sleeve shirt, a beret, and dress pants, which another participant was nice enough to actually cut the dress pants into shorts. That's him, right, right there, um, in that long, flowy, billowy shirt, that beret, and his cut shorts. Um, <laughs> so uh, this guy actually he ate some rotten apples off the ground, 
felt sick, so he took a nap and still came in fourth. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite bit of the craziness was Len Tao of South Africa, who was actually chased off the course by some wild dogs for about a mile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Sam was a listed crew member on the German battleship, the Bismarck. This, by the way, is the Bismarck behind us um, underwater. Uh, in May of 1941, when the Bismarck was destroyed and sank on its only mission. Out of the 2,100 per, uh persons that were on the crew only 115 survived. i don't know why that doesn't say people that should say people 2100 people on the crew only 115 survived one of them was sam hours later the british destroyer the hms cossack found sam floating on a board and took him aboard since sam couldn't speak they began calling him oscar and he began to serve on the hms cossack until it was hit by a torpedo from the German U-boat, the U-563. 159 crew members were killed in the attack, but Sam slash Oscar survived, and the crew were transferred to another vessel to take Sam ashore to the nearby establishment in Gibraltar, where he was reassigned to the HMS Ark Royal, where he was now going to, uh, what he was now going by, the unsinkable Sam. And this ship was then also torpedoed by the U-81. After being found clinging to a plank, reportedly angry but not quite unharmed, the sailor was transferred to the offices of the governor of Gibraltar and then later sent to the Home for Sailors, which is a seaman's home in Belfast, where he lived until he died in 1955. Other than being unsinkable, what is so incredible about unsinkable Sam? You said seaman. I did say semen. <laughs> I, I was trying to find a way to, to put it in there, but like when you look it up, it's actually called a seaman's home. And I was like, all right, well, I guess that's coming. <laughs> uh, oh, great. So uh, what's, what's so amazing about Unsinkable Sam, other than the fact that he was on several ships that were sank? Any guesses mm. in here? DJ Pizza? Unsinkable Sam? Anybody you know? Can't say anything. Uh, that's... What year was this? 1941. Mm. Beginning of World War I. He, he had a... World War One. World Titanic War II. <laughs> as a child. He what? He was on the Titanic as a child. He was on the Titanic as a child. That would be pretty incredible. He had a peg leg. He had a peg leg. <laughs> and so he yes. pretty well. Actually, no, but as a fun fact for the 1941 mm. Olympics, the, uh, g- the like, man who won the majority of the track and field events, only, he had a peg leg. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Castle says third nipple. Third nipple. Uh, I almost guarantee you that he did. Yes, that is probably a fact. Mm-hmm. Mermaid Time says missing an arm or a leg. Missing an arm or a leg. Mm-hmm. He he is unsinkable, but it cost him an arm and a leg. So maybe he didn't know how to swim? Didn't know how to swim. Uh, hey, Captain, do you have any guesses about what's special yeah. about Sam? I hear you talking in there, and you are correct. 
same as a cat. <laughs> as an interesting side note, Sam was actually called Oscar when he was brought aboard the second ship because the international code of signals, the letter O stands for man overboard, and over the radio, O's are called Oscars. So uh, it looks like he should have been able to make it through at least six more sinkings. How about that? Oh. Oh. Oh, Sam. Way to go, Captain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was answering from the bedroom. Yeah, he, he knew. He knew. He did. Uh, and that's why Matt... Sam probably had six nipples, so just yeah. you weren't wrong with that third one. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say that I already know who this guy is. You already know. I don't, I don't know what the question is. So Dr. Robert Liston uh, was called by his peers the fastest knife in the West, but not because he was like great with blades or anything, but because he would beg those who were observing him to time him to see how fast he could complete a leg amputation, which he could do in less than two and a half minutes, including stitching up the patient. This was not a matter of carelessness, however, as uh, the anesthesia was not really that great back in the 1800s. So his speed uh, is not what he's actually remembered for. Uh, What event happened during a leg amputation that Dr. Robert Liston still holds the record for? She has this on the tip of her tongue. I do. I read a book called The Butchering Art, and I feel like this must have been in that book. So, Dr. Robert Liston did also create a bunch of surgical tools uh, that are still actually used today. One of them is called, like, the Liston saw. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was instrumental in finding better ways for anesthesia, but still not the answer we're looking for. We got any guesses out there? Mm. This happened while he was amputating a leg? He was amputating a leg, yes, and he now holds a record. For the quickest? Is that what you said? For the quickest to it, do something? It's, it's not some... about speed, okay. although he was pretty much the quickest okay. uh, like surgeon out okay. there. And this may actually be the operation that they're talking <clears throat> about, because you can see how close everybody is. That plays mm-hmm. a factor. I don't know why I said it like that. I have no idea. The quickest to cut a vein. I mean, to or sorry, to sew a vein. To sew a vein. He's yeah. got like... Super fast. Mad stitching skills. This, bam. Yeah. Mmm. All right, DJ Pizza. Any guesses? We have an amputating a leg in 30 seconds. Over there. Mariana, any guesses? Rod, you're pretty quiet over there. Um, Did it have something to do with it? Amputating his yeah. own finger while cutting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not too far off. What was the question? Oh, I, I don't know. Something about a carriage accident. A but... carriage accident? Oh, okay. No, I know. I got it. He cut his own leg. He cut his own he leg? He amputated his own leg. That no. would be interesting. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I've seen a couple of movies <laughs> that are not far off. I would say that like, the patient like, woke up while he was doing it, but... <clears throat> Uh, anesthesia wasn't good, so they probably all woke up. <laughs> I, I believe he was actually awake during it. So the thing okay. is, is um, during an amputation, Dr. Robert Liston cut through the patient's legs so fast, he actually took several of the surgical assistant's fingers with him. Oh, uh, and while he was switching between surgical instruments, he actually slashed one of the spectator's coats. You can see how close they are right there. Um, 
who then became terrified that he had just been cut, and he died of shock. The patient and the medical assistant both ended up having their wounds get infected and died because of it. So Dr. Robert Liston is the only doctor in history with a single surgery having a 300% mortality rate. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Most people sprayed with blood. Yeah. Probably also happened. Look at him. He's like so disappointed in himself in this picture. (laughs) Just like, he's like, yep. I lost three people in mm. <laughs> Sorry about that. Clean your saws, you jerk. All right. So, moving on to famous relatives. This should be fun. Let's start with okay. Mr. Hemingway. So, Ernest Hemingway is a pretty famous author indeed, but his brother, Lester, also published six books, including The Sound of the Trumpet, which was about his time in France during World War II. In 1961, Lester published a book called My Brother, Ernest Hemingway, which was very well received and gave him an incredible amount of credit as an author in his own right. With the capital that he earned from that book, what did Lester create? Statues. Statues. Statues of six-toed kittens. Yeah. What year was it? Uh, well, I didn't really give a year, um, but it was 1964. I, I, I have a mechanical piazza. You do? A daiquiri. A bakery? No, daiquiri. A daiquiri? No, because he had daiquiris in Cuba. I don't yeah, think he created them. But it might have been a bar. He might have opened a bar. Wasn't his house the first in-ground swimming pool? I know that, at least. I know that. So, at this point, I'm pretty sure Ernest Hemingway is dead. So it's Lester Hemingway who... who, I was off on that one. My mistake. All of the people, have. they are not the famous relative. The person that is somehow in the question is the famous relative. So that's Lester Hemingway right there. Um, and we want to know what he did with the money from the book he wrote about his brother. Uh, he invented Oreos. He invented Oreos, <laughs> a library in his brother's name. Anything else from the internet? Anything from the Instagrams? Bars. Bars. Okay. A library. A library, yeah. All right, you guys are going to love this one. In 1964, Lester Hemingway had an 8-foot by 30-foot barge towed 12 miles from Jamaica. Then, in accordance with the Guano Island Act of 1865, claimed half of the barge for the United States and the other half for his newly created micronation of New Atlantis. His plan was to generate money for oceanography research by selling stamps and coins, It didn't really last that long, however, because in 1966, New Atlantis was destroyed and devastated by a storm and then pillaged by a bunch of friendly fishermen. Lester returned home and then, in 1982, shot himself in the head with a shotgun because that's a thing in this fucking family. Ah, jeez. That was Hemingway's. Wow. Oh, wow. I should have called it a Hemingway shotgun. Yeah, jeez. All right, here we go. Uh, so, 
from here on out, there's a bunch of things that I'm not going to say right, um, because pronunciation is not my thing when it's not English. So, um, come at me. Okay. So, Kutalun is the daughter of Kaidu, and she is also cousins with Kublai Khan. She was an incredible leader and fighter in combat, and it's said that she amassed a herd of 1,000 horses from one single activity. How did Kutalun, Kutalun gain so many horses? Sex. Sex. She, she was a, she's a whore for them horses. Yeah, children. Children. Like, she... Had a lot of children. Sold them. She just had a lot of children. So So she traded them. Yeah, well, you got horses for them. Okay, okay. Hey, if you got a kid, then you got a horse. There you go. That's, that's the Mongol, like, welfare system. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Exactly. It's all right. All right. Uh, She carved wooden horses on her spare time. Car- oh, so they're not even real horses. They're carved wooden horses. Okay. Okay. It's got like... Or painted in a, in a rock. Ooh, oh. like terracotta <laughs> horses. Okay. Okay. DJ Pizza? Internet? <laughs> Instagrams? She's stolen the night. <clears throat> oh, she's a little thief. Horse thief? All right. Two weeks in a row I stumped you guys with this one. So she may be the first girl who grew up wanting a horse and then took control of her life and took them all. She told her father she would only marry a suitor if he could beat her in a wrestling match, and she never lost. The wager would be horses if the suitor, um, from the suitor if she won or her hand in marriage if she lost. Many cage matches and steel chairs later, she had won so many horses that her herd was over 1,000 strong. She did end up getting married, but many sources say it was because she actually fell in love with Ghazan Khan and never actually wrestled him. And I wonder who would win in a wrestling match, her or Abraham Lincoln. Speaking about Abraham Lincoln... Mm -hmm. In 1863, or 1864, nobody really remembers dates back then, Robert Todd Lincoln, son of President Abe Lincoln, was waiting on a train platform pressed up against the train by a crowd. The train started to move and twisted RTL right off of his own feet and down next to the train. Out of nowhere, a man lifted Robert Todd back onto the platform. Thankful and a little starstruck, Robert Todd thanked the man for saving his life Even though they had never met, Robert Todd knew who the stranger was. Who was the mysterious stranger who saved the president's son? Walt Disney. Walt Disney. (laughs) And that man was Albert Einstein. (laughs) Wasn't Walt Disney born in 1901? Yes. Yes, he was. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say that he did not save somebody 40 years before he was born. John Wilkes. John Wilkes Booth. What a turn of events that would be. Irony. Maybe it was his brother or his nephew. Ooh, his brother, his nephew. Superman. Mm -hmm. Any other guesses from the internet? We got Superman. Did you say where the platform was? Uh, Nope. That's not important. Okay. 
Somewhere in the north would be my guess. <laughs> I'm gonna say Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because he never died. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I saw Young Guns too. Exactly. Emilio Estevez is alive at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's how it goes. All right. Any other Instagram answers? Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass. All right. All right. Um, so it is not John Wilkes <clears throat> Booth or his nephew. Or Walt Disney. <laughs> but it was his brother. While recounting the story to fellow officer Colonel Adam uh, Badow, Badow is amazed because coincidentally he's a friend of the man actor Edwin Booth. That's right, John Wilkes Booth's brother, who was a famous actor and some say even the best of his day. Colonel Badow sent a letter to his friend Edwin, who did not know that the man he had saved that day was the son of the president and later in life said that that moment gave him some slight comfort following his brother's assassinating the president, Robert Todd's father. Wow. Mm. All You're right. right you know. You're on the right path. You were there. Mm-hmm. You guys were all, like, there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, here we go. We're moving on to movie time. Boop. Movie mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> all right, here we go. In the 1987 film Superman IV, The Quest for Peace, what was the last thing Christopher Reeve's prophetic Superman says to Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor? I'll be back. I'll be back. I I feel like it's got to be something related to walking. You'll never catch me on a horse. Yeah. Captain seems to know the answer. Yeah. I think he's right again. I don't know. Something about a cat. It's the only things he knows. He only knows cat things. Yeah. Burn in hell? Mmm. No. That's he dies, he dies. (laughs) <laughs> Neither of those are very Superman. They're Superman yeah. didn't start killing people until we got like Zack Snyder directing him. Well. <laughs> All right, so we don't really have any guesses from in here. All right, he says the last thing Superman says to Lex Luthor is "See in 20. Nearly twenty years later, Superman returns. Hit hits theaters in 2006 this time with Brandon Routh as Superman and Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor I personally liked Brandon Routh as Superman uh, but this was his only movie that he played Superman in he does come back as another DC superhero the Atom in the Arrowverse in both Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow so if you still want to get some Brandon Routh superhero-ness watch Legends of Tomorrow and he's really funny in that all right. Anne Rice wrote the Vampire Chronicles with Rutger Hauer in mind to play Lestat. By the time filming had begun, however, Hauer was way too old to play the youthful character, so Tom Cruise was brought into the role. Anne Rice was so pissed that she just dropped and left the project. Um, the producers finally sent her a copy on VHS, and she was so surprised by Cruise's performance, she actually wrote him a letter of apology. 
Brad Pitt and Christian Slater are also excellent in this movie, too. Interview with the Vampire... In, in this movie, too, the interview with the vampire. But Christian Slater wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. Who did Christian Slater replace last minute? I'm going to go with Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks? I think it's one of the Corys. One of the Corys. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Walt right. Disney. <laughs> Walt Disney. <laughs> they were planning this movie for a while. <laughs> Do we have any Instagram guesses? George Clooney. Or maybe River Phoenix? At 23 years old, River Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's brother, died of a drug overdose outside of Johnny Depp's nightclub, The Viper Room. A friend of his, Christian Slater, took the role in Interview with the Vampire and donated the $250,000 salary he received to River's favorite charities. Nice. Good cool. job, Rod. There you go. Yeah. That was like a last-minute guess right there. I could think, I, I, I actually thought of the chords because... How everything went downhill for them, right after and and one of them time. died. So I was going to say you're really close because this person mm-hmm. died. So but then I thought, who else? And I was like, River Phoenix. yeah, River Phoenix. Yeah. If you guys were going to ask me what year that movie came out, I was going to be like, I don't know. After Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> that's, that's all I know. All right. So we are now at question number nine, which is a Star Wars question. Time for Does a Wookiee Shit in the Woods. Yes. So, here we go. Baron, <laughs> Baron Not Low Whiskey, Papa Nuanda, is a character from the Star Wars franchise. He's a Pantoran and eventually becomes the chairman of the Pantoran Assembly in the Clone Wars TV show. When he has two daughters kidnapped by the Federation, the blue-skinned badass takes matters into his own hands and takes off to Tatooine, threatening Greedo, and reasoning with Jabba the Hutt. The character is voiced by Corey Burton in the animated show, but makes a real-life appearance in the prequel film Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Who played Baron Not Lewiski, Papa Nuada in the film Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. <sighs> That's a lot. That's a lot, guys. <laughs> Rod. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness! Okay. All right. Any guesses? Probably the kid. Billy the kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Banjo. Yeah, I have no idea. So, Revenge of the Seed was 2001, something like that, right? Yeah, sounds about right. So, maybe it's someone who's famous now, but wasn't necessarily famous then. Could be. So, something like Vin Diesel? Ooh, Vin Diesel. Rick Moranis? Okay. Could be Vin Diesel. Do you think Rick Moranis would have, would have gone from Spaceballs to Star Wars? A hundred percent, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I think if he was offered a role in a Star Wars movie, I think he would take it. Yeah. Actually, he was offered, I think. Like, huh? He was coming back. 
He's well, talking he, back, Rick Moranis. He did an ad. He did an ad. He did an ad. No, and mm. they're supposed to be making a, a new Honey Shrunk the Kids movie or something. Okay. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Okay. Cool. I hope somebody runs up and punches him in the face in that movie. Mm. <laughs> All right. Anything else from mm. Instagram? Anything else? Nothing. Nothing. All righty. He was actually famous then, and he's famous now, and he's mostly famous because he created Star Wars. Uh, so, <laughs> making his only appearance in a Star Wars film, George Lucas himself what? plays Baron Notlewiski Papanuata. What about that? Interesting fact. The tip of his cane is actually shaped <clears throat> like a Death Star. I couldn't find a picture of George Lucas and the cane, so you guys just have to take that on faith. All right, here we go. We're moving on to some geography sort of questions. Geography! Where in the world? All right, so in 1959, President Dwight D. Eisenhower arranged the American National Exhibition in Moscow in order to show the Soviet Union the benefits of capitalism. Then, to make sure he'd be safe, he actually just sent his vice president, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Well, Tricky Dick was not so diplomatic when he started an argument with... Nikola Khrushchev about how much better capitalism than, is than communism. He wouldn't back down. Well, in order to calm things down, the vice president of the Pepsi company stepped in and handed the Soviet leader a tasty ice-cold Pepsi, which he drank and loved and decided his entire country needed this beverage. So, in the following years, mm. the Soviet Union struck a deal with Pepsi to bring their product into the country. However, the Soviet currency wasn't recognized around the world, so instead they made a deal paying for their Pepsi with vodka. Well, their initial contract was about to expire in the late 80s, and this time Pepsi wasn't taking vodka for payment. So instead, what did PepsiCo take as payment in this final arrangement? Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> All the, all the Aleutian Islands are all named after Pepsi yeah. products. <laughs> the Bering Strait is now the fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's Pepsi or Coke. It just, no, it just sounded cool. It was funny. It works. Yeah. Little potatoes. <laughs> We're not taking vodka. We're taking the Ikea version. We're going to take the potatoes. And then make our own vodka. Weapons. Uh, weapons. Weapons. Okay. Huh. I don't know. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Borst. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Delicious. It's coming for you. <laughs> like a submarine, because that's what they took for payment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, where am I here? Oh, when you need your Pepsi, you do what you gotta do. Russia traded $3 billion worth of battleships and submarines. So now with a fleet of 17 submarines, a cruiser, a frigate, and a destroyer, PepsiCo, ever so briefly, became the sixth most powerful military in the world. Then sold it all to a Swedish company for scrap recycling. That's not... 
a real picture. I think that's photoshopped. <laughs> it would have been awesome, though. But it, yeah. it made me laugh. Look, it's the Pepsi submarine. <laughs> All right, so Lake Hillier was discovered in 1802 on Middle Island, which is the largest island in the Recherche Archipelago, Archipelago in Western Australia. What is so unique about this salty lake? Spiders with lasers on their backs. Mm -hmm. Spiders with lasers on their backs would make it super interesting. And super Australian. Mm, True, 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 true. (laughs) Everything wants to kill you down there. Well, yeah, we've mentioned that on the show before. Um, I don't know, maybe... Um, It is not a portal to Hogwarts, so... Whoever was about to type that, you can stop. Yeah. It's, salt, it's, it's salt water. You, salt yeah, water lake. you said it was a salt water lake. It is a salt oh, water lake. There's oh, plenty okay. of those. That's okay. not unique. Um, no sharks with laser beams either. <laughs> There's no laser beams. Or sharks. Okay. I don't know. You got me. What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, you definitely can't see it on this picture. Mm. I chose a good picture. It doesn't be super obvious when I hit the space bar. Do we have any guesses from the Instagram? Any guesses at all on Instagram? This is the tiniest Mm-mm. lake on Earth? It's shaped like a dollar sign. It is not the tiniest lake on Earth. Do you guys see anything else on Instagram? Nothing. Too salty for animals. Too salty for animals. Um, I mean, technically, I mean, some things are animals. Uh, So the thing that makes it super unique is that it is bubblegum pink. (laughs) It's about 2,000 feet in length and just over 100 feet in width. And the lake is completely pink. The reason is due to the... This is much easier to read in the light. Duna Ilea salina, which is a red algae, uh, which causes the salt content to create a red dye, and the pink halophilic or halobacteria. And luckily, this bubblegum-colored lake has no adverse effects on humans, so you can go swimming in it if you'd like to be covered in algae. That's great. All right, let's go. Yeah, all right. Number 12. This is where I'm going to need your help. All right. I know it. I know that. I know that. <laughs> and but 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 I'm I'm gonna. So, we'll have to look. so here's the thing. Like they're from Mexico City. They they probably like have a summer house on this island. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in in the south of Mexico City in the channels of Xochimilco. Not what I was gonna say. There is <laughs> La Isla de las Muñecas. Which was owned by Don Julian Santana Barrera until his death in 2001. What can you still find in the trees to this day that is a popular tourist attraction? If you know it, go ahead and say it. No, no, no. I I would like to see what what Instagram Mm -hmm. guesses and what your guesses are. I will say it is indeed creepy. <laughs> I actually almost put that in the question. Like, what creepy item can you still find in the trees? 
But I was hoping people would be like, monkeys. I'm going to say dolls. Dolls. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Ventriloquist dummies. Ventriloquist yeah. <laughs> dummies, like Woody. <laughs> All right, so we've got dolls, ventriloquist dummies, anything on Instagram? Uh, let's see. Walt yeah. Disney. Walt <laughs> Billy the Kid. <laughs> so, um, could you just do me a favor and translate that for me? Sure. La Isla de las Muñecas is literally the Isle of Dolls. Dolls? It oh, is yeah. dolls. Yeah. Creepy, <laughs> creepy fucking dolls. Wow, that's correct. Weird. I mean, they're like super creepy. How about that? I got one. But they're not well kept. Yeah, no. No. They're really... And the okay. only way to reach them is like you have to take a... What was it? Trajinera? Una trajinera. That is like a boat. Yeah. Like in Xochimilco and going through a kennel and then you pass it over there. Yeah. So according to legend... Uh, Don Julian found a body of a young girl on the shoreline and later he started hearing uh, a girl crying out I want my doll and this and many other unexplained occurrences led to his trying to stop them from happening by hanging every doll he finds in the canals or the trash uh, in the area Uh, this went on for over 50 years and now there are thousands of dolls hanging from the trees Several people who have visited the island have been left with strange and unsettling feelings. And on a creepy side note, Don Julian's body was found after he died of a heart attack right near where he found the girl's body all those years ago. So, enjoy going to bed with those horrible things in your head. And it's worse than you think. Yeah, like, I wanted one... I tried to find a... It's a super touristy spot, all right? Like, if you ever went to Mexico City, I'm pretty sure you would be told to go to Xochimilco. It's a, it's a folkloric place. You take these trajineras, which are flat boats uh, with a lot of flowers and names, and they're, they're pretty unique and Mexican. And then you take them through the canals, and usually there are other boats with mariachis in them, and they will follow you while they're singing, and then you're always drinking. And eventually, you'll come to this part of the canal, and you'll start seeing doll heads <laughs> hanging no. from the trees. I don't like super drunk at the time, so it's like a weird thing like what? Where? The floating gardens? Is anywhere near that? No. No, okay. Because it just sounded familiar with the canals and boats and stuff. When I was actually trying to find images, I found like just tons of pictures of those boats. And I was like, oh, this must be some sort of parade or not something. But it's just it's just what happens every day. They just like, they yeah. just take take large groups of people down to see crazy headless dolls at yeah. the trees with like, maggots really, and it's stuff. It's a really small part of it. It's just yeah. like where the house was. Okay. Um, and the rest of it is just canals. And uh, that uneasy feeling might be Montezuma's Revenge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't drink the water in Mexico. Take it yeah. from a Mexican. Yeah, that's, um, that's what tequila is for. But it's super creepy. Imagine having quite a few beers yeah. because it's not usually a couple yeah, that you drink while you're there. Mm-hmm. And then getting to this part and start seeing all these creepy dolls. doll heads. Oh, and, oh. Yeah, I found I found a ton of pictures, but it would just show like one or two dolls. I just wanted to showcase like how many dolls were there. That's why I use this picture. But there was and there they look very unkept, and there's like. You know, like sticks and cobwebs and stuff on them. Yeah, I can't wait to go. 
So <laughs> we're going on to happier things. Um, Disney discourse. Here we go. So Michael Crichton of Jurassic Park fame wrote the screenplay and directed a film called Westworld in 1993. This, in turn, inspired the current show that's uh, of the same name on HBO. Thing is, Michael Crichton was actually inspired to write this movie after writing what classic Disney ride? It's a small world. It's a small world. Carousel of Progress. Mm. The COP. The Great Movie Ride. Great Movie Ride. I believe it's the Pirates of the Caribbean. We have a Pirates of the Caribbean. What does Instagram say? Because mine has not moved in several questions. What I do know is that the 11th track on the soundtrack for the original Westworld movie, which is the chase music, is an awesome track. Mm. (laughs) And you should listen to it. (laughs) Any guesses from Instagram? Abraham Lincoln's speech. <laughs> I, I think I read that somewhere. It might, that, that might be true. Uh, so I have a, there's a great movie right on here as well. Okay. Well, once again, he is correct. It is oh. Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, he was on a boat in Pirates of the Caribbean. Michael Creighton had a thought to himself, what would happen if all these animatronics came to life and started attacking the guests? Well, that is uh, really what the show Westworld is all about. What's really neat about it is that the Westworld show takes place 40 years after the original film, and that's how long it's taken them um, to get the series started, too. Uh, About 40 years. In fact, Mm. Jurassic Park um, was written with the same concept in mind, except for in this theme park, the animatronics can eat you. Um... And as one more bonus fact, since this is a Disney category, not a movie or a TV or a book category, um, they were going to actually have a Wild West-themed flume ride where Pirates of the Caribbean is at Walt Disney World now, and then uh, have that area be as part of Frontierland, figuring that Florida was too close to the Caribbean already for it to be a draw for anybody to want to go see Pirates of the Caribbean. With that in mind, next time you're walking from Adventureland into Pirates, you can see that the walkway changes as you're leaving Adventureland before you get to Pirates because it wasn't even supposed to be in that land. (laughs) And as a bonus bonus note, the reason that that drop is there is so that you go under the train tracks. All right. Joe, I took away your favorite picture. (laughs) Okay. This, This is... There's a crest. It's on the front of... Uh, Sleeping Beauty's castle in Disneyland. It depicts a shield with three lions on it with another lion on top of that shield and what I think are bouquets of flowers on either side. I don't know. It's really tough to tell. Whose crest is this? Walt Disney. (laughs) We have a Walt Disney guess. (laughs) Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. No, but I believe the three lions have to do with England, and uh, I, I, my guess would be the monarchs of England, of the Great Britain. Okay. Cinderella. Cinderella. 
like a little irony mm. like hey we're gonna put this on yeah. here even though it's not our castle yep okay so we've got walt disney we've got british royalty we've got cinderella what was your guess <laughs> Just kidding, I was saying Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks. So we've got Tom okay. Hanks, we've got Billy the Kid, DJ Pizza. Kevin Bacon, because it's only six degrees of separation. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Good, the Tudors. The Tudors, okay. okay. More more royalty there. What, anything on Instagram, Holy Sister? English soccer messes. Oh, English oh, yeah. soccer. Okay. So, uh, first guess is the right one. Ah. So, added in 1960, and this is why you can't see it on the opening day picture. This is the Disney crest, and it actually originated in France. Okay. France. All right, here we go. Final question, question number 15. So, it's going to be a Disney movie question. So originally, Aladdin was meant to be more like a Michael J. Fox-type hero, but the animators decided they wanted Aladdin to have more confidence in his poses and his attitude. What other actor did they end up modeling the look of Aladdin after to get the right amount of cockiness they were looking for? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Michael J. Fox. Oh, it's not Michael J. Fox. (laughs) That's why he's up there. That's why. Okay. <laughs> because they, they originally wanted a Michael was, J. Fox character, yeah. but he's too timid. Oh. Is it the guy who played his voice? It was not the guy who played his voice. Although the guy who played his voice was actually on an episode, I think, of Full House. Is that where TJ, DJ Tanner is from? Yeah. Full House. So he was on an episode of Full House where he actually dressed as Aladdin when they went to uh, Disney for an episode. Uh, and that's actually yeah. the guy. I think his name's like Corey something. No, that's just the person who voices him. He's modeled after somebody famous. I wouldn't ask this question if it was impossible. <laughs> okay, so somebody who was famous in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And he's cocky. Cocky, yep. Devin Sawa. Okay, Devin that'd be late 90s, though. That's true. Yeah. He was my crush. Me too. I'm proud of JTT. <laughs> uh, oh, we got a Ralph Macchio. Unless if that's not for this John question. Stamos. John Stamos. Okay. I'm trying to think. I think Stamos will be. Brendan yeah. Fraser. Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser. That's a good guess. All right. I think we've given enough time here. DJ Pizza. Any last guesses? No. All right, here we go. They wanted a maverick, like Tom Cruise from Top Gun. (laughs) Another fun animation detail was that animator Glenn Keane watched videos of MC Hammer to get the movements of the pants correct. This is the 31st animated film from Disney, which spawned two sequels, a TV show, a Broadway adaptation, and a live-action film with Guy Ritchie directing, which is actually really good, and I like it. Good job, Mariana. You got it. And that's it. Thanks for playing. All right. All right. Thanks out there, Instagram world. We love you guys coming and playing with us. Um, 
yeah, this is a good episode. We got a few yeah. right here today. I hope you guys learned something. Um, other than that, thanks. Uh, like our post. Follow us on Spotify. Yep. Keep Google. an eye out. We got a YouTube channel now, so YouTube. check us out on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> that's it. I think that's it. Thanks. Uh, follow us. Subscribe. Whatever. Right, blah, blah blah. Thanks a lot. Good night. Bye.